You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson, and as you're watching this video, I've been given a couple of weeks off work, so I'm probably sat around watching Netflix in my pants. So to make sure your podcast feed is still getting regular content from us during my time off, I've put together a short compilation of some of the funniest stories from our interview guests that we've had on the podcast. Um, so first up is going to be Barry Bannon talking about excrement in a football boot. Of all the of all the pranks that you've seen, either at Villa or um, uh, any other clubs in your career, Barry, what, what stands out the most? Um, there's been a few. Obviously, there's a few characters at that club um, but the one that stands out is when I was in the reserve team there was the boy called Jonathan Hogg and I think Sam Simmons at the time was coming through the youth and Sam Simmons done something to Hoggy played a prank on him I can't really remember what it was and Hoggy didn't take too kindly he's an aggressive person Hoggy didn't like getting bantered or anything like that so just remember him waiting weeks and weeks and we think that's unusual Hoggy's normally bites back pretty quick and then we came in the one morning I remember we were in for nine o'clock and the smell in the changing room was just outrageous like the boys were like what's going on here we can't change in here and we seen Hoggy just sitting in the corner like chuckling away like laughing thinking it was the funniest thing in the world and he sat next to me so I just said to him what have you done and he says wait till he comes in and you'll find out so Sam's came in that day same thing Sam's been hit with a smell right in the face as soon as he's walked in he's getting changed and he's opened his his locker up and I think it was his I think Sam wore the old Umbro XCIs and Hoggy had obviously took his his Umbro XCIs to the toilets a few few days before in both shoes and just put them in the in the locker room (laughs) and left them for a few days so we just remember that and it was the boys were rolling around in the floor when Sam's pulled these boots out you couldn't believe it we were playing at the Forest of Arden and there was uh, there was myself um, and it was, yeah, there was Crouchy Gareth and uh, a, a pal of mine that, that used to come golf and we came off the I think it was the it might have been 14th on one of the holes on, on the Far East and you have to go past the house so we, we sort of I took, we put our shots in and they were faffing about on the green doing something and they part the buggy and it was like kind of slant because we just used to park him everywhere and because we thought we could. And we sort of went to the slide side of the house. I'm sure it was me and Crouch. And we sat, sat just on the buggy. And we must have sat there thinking about an phones. And I went, where, where are them two? And it was Gaz and um, Barnsley. And I went, where are they? So we went back. And all I can, as we come back through, all I can see is them two stood there trying to pull this buggy out of the ditch where it's gone straight down and you can just see the roof hanging out the top. Well, we have literally killed over laughing. I mean, it, it was it was the funniest thing I've seen. But next week, you know, we go in, I've, I've told the course marshal who goes in and then it's in the paper that I've, because I'm the member there, I've crashed the buggy. Which was what I can assure you, it wasn't me. I was sat on that next team, waiting for them clans to come through, and I ended up getting the uh, getting all the uh, the press headlines. Uh, so, but that was just that reputation that seemed to seemed to follow me. And listen, I'm not saying I was, I was any angel by any any stretch, but anything that went wrong, it, it, my name would come straight to the forefront. I can't believe you're sticking to that story all these years on your nose. But... <laughs> I remember when Lambert came in and we had a, a kid called Khalid Abdo 
Um, he was Swedish. He didn't speak much English. If you're in a youth team, you'd have to take your kit down to the laundry room. And if you were in a reserve team, you'd put it in the, the bucket and take it to the um, the laundry room. And if you're in the first team, they come and get it. But Paul Lambert used to be in the, the laundry room because there was a dartboard in there and he used to play with um, Chef and, and Jonah. And I remember Khalid walking down there with his kit um, and passing the kit to Paul Lambert and then like turning around and walking out. And I think Khalid thought that Paul Lambert was one of the one of the kit men. He didn't he didn't know that he was a manager of the football club. It was one of his first weeks, so he just literally dropped his kit to Paul Lambert's hands and he just walked off and said cheers. And Paul Lambert's got hold of Khalid Abdo's kit, and he even Paul Lambert was so confused. He came in and had a massive meeting with us and let us basically let Khalid know that he's the manager of this football club. We Jim um, was really nippy with me, as I say in Scotland, nippy. That means he was he was always chipping at me at training, and I'm saying what's what's going on? We've got a massive game tomorrow, and he's having a go at me. And then at the end of training, he went right. Where are you going? I said, Well, where I always go when we play Rangers or Celtic, I'm going back to my mum's in Glasgow. Well, make sure you're there. I'm thinking, Well, where else would I be? We've got a massive game against Celtic tomorrow. I ain't going to be anywhere else. Right, make sure you're there. Well, okay. So I drove down to my mum's and I'm thinking, what the hell? Why the hell is a wee man having to go at me like that? So, um, got home, had a phone call, meet two of the directors um, at the airport, Glasgow airport, at five o'clock. Uh, Aston Villa have come in for you and I've agreed to sell you to them. Right? I went, oh, right, I put the phone down and I'm ashamed to say this. I thought, where the f- hell is Aston Villa? <laughs> Seriously, obviously it's like grown up because Villa had been down in the dumps a lot, hadn't they? They'd only just got their, that was the first season back in the in the, the big league. And I'm thinking, I know we're Liverpool and Everton and Manchester United and you know and Leeds and Newcastle and the London clubs. I said to my mum, I think I'm going to sign for us in Villa. Can you get that up? I had to look at all and find out where that it was actually in Birmingham. And I thought, all right then, okay. Uh, and off I went, travelled down and never came back. Yeah, I met her mate. Um, I told her I was a painter and decorator <laughs> when I first met her. So, and she didn't have a clue. She does, still doesn't know much about football now, to be honest. So, yeah, she, she obviously believed me for a couple of weeks. And then her, her brother's a big Villa fan. So, he always said that he's Andy Ryman. He's not a painter. And then that's how she found out, to be honest. The day after I met her, I went away with the national team. And I obviously was, I got a number and I was texting her and I had to say, yeah, I'm going away with the, like, to Austria, like to the nationals. And then like, she thought I was like an international painter or something like that. <laughs> so she was telling her brother, I think, and showed her what's up picture. But yeah, he's, I started speaking to him the last couple of weeks and then he obviously recognised me straight away. And then she asked me and I was like, yeah, I play football. That's brilliant. You only good at painting? No, <laughs> I've never done any painting in my life. Oh my God, Sasha. God love him. He was brilliant, wasn't he? It just, Sasha was brilliant. I mean, I, I remember when he turned up, he, you know, his first training session, he jumped up and down, dribbled past a couple of people and stood there and went, oh, how much I pay for And he stood there and went, four million pounds. And I thought, oh no, don't do that. I remember looking at Tommy Johnson and Mark Draper and Tails and them who who were the best of pals. And Sasha, I, you know, looked as if he was coming in to try and be a real threat to Tommy. Um, so I remember thinking, oh God, they're going to have him. And I thought that's that's Sasha got off on the wrong foot straight away. Anyway, 
as the season progressed, he, we always had a, a few problems with him here and there. And then I, I remember Jim Walker, who was my number one go-to man for the players. If anything was wrong, if they felt ill or anything, ring Jim. He'll sort it out. So I get a call, I don't know, middle of the night. Might have been midnight, might have been two in the morning. I can't remember, but it was well, I've been well asleep. And it's Jim. So I've looked at my phone. Oh, Jim, better take it. Hi, Jim. All right. Uh, not really, after now. Um I said, what's up, Jim? He said, it's Sasha. I said, he's all right, isn't he? He was all right this morning. Yeah, um, uh, he's in London. I said, London? What's he, what's he doing in London? And, and and Jim got these next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten words out as quick as he could and put the phone down. And he's in London, he's having a nose job in the morning and he can't play tomorrow. Boom, put the phone down. <laughs> so he's gone to London, he's decided to have a new nose and he wasn't available. And I found out after that he wasn't available for eight weeks. He couldn't play for eight weeks after he's had a nose job. When you say peace cup, the smile come on my face because it's the best stag do I've ever been on. <laughs> and that's the God's honest truth. Like, I, you know, I, I'm on a Villa podcast. I'm not at the club anymore. I can, I can be totally honest. But considering we went there, right, and we're playing against top sides, we're playing against top European sides and, you know, Real Madrid win the competition and, and Sevilla and all these clubs are in the competition. But... We were there, I think, for maybe 12 days. I think I must have gone out myself uh, about eight times out of 12. I think I think maybe a couple of others, probably Karoo, I think, might have, might have topped 10. And, but the thing is, it's because, you know, we were given the thing of, oh, well, go out for the day, um, enjoy yourself, you've got a free afternoon. So obviously we're in Marbella. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to Ocean Club or going to Plaza Beach and have, have a beer, have a, have a beer. Yeah, go on, have, have one, have one, have, have two. It turns into five or six and you're going back. It's like, oh, no, I'll be all right. I'll be all right for training tomorrow. You train and then the game comes up and you play a game, you end up winning. And you're like, oh, all right, we've cracked it. So you've got another game in a couple of days. Like, well, we might as well do the same again. Should we just go down Plaza Beach? And that's how it was. It was kind of like, if we hadn't got the results or we'd been battered, lads would have been like, no, we can't do that. But because we, we like, I know we lost the first game, but Ash, Ash scored a late goal to, to see us through and actually got us to the semi-final and things like that. But it was just like before, but the, I think that it might've even been a day off Porto. We had, we got had a free afternoon and we, we were just on, on the beach and just like having a few beers. It's like, we're going to get battered anyway by Porto. So what's the point? We end up beating them. And then, but that, that's how it was. Honestly, it was just, it was, it was such a good laugh. And in terms of team morale and team building, in terms of trying to sneak out of that hotel, <laughs> that, that, was, that was the best thing. There were times where we were allowed out and other times we weren't, but we were going out anyway. Um, I remember we all said, right, meet by the back door, um, back fire exit. We'll go out the, the car park and go out that bit and we'll get taxis to pick us up from there. So I just remember we... We went in, like, so we've got a couple of the young lads with us, like, like Shane Lowry, who at the time was a kid, shouldn't really have been coming out with us. But, like, we, we, we get in this taxi, and then um, the taxi starts driving towards the front of the hotel. I'm thinking, like, oh, why is he driving? He might, he might just be, like, turning around. I don't know what he's doing. He drives towards the front of the hotel. He pulls up to the front of the hotel. I'm in, I'm in the front. I think um, I was with Steve Sidwell and Freddie Boomer and, and Shane Lowry. And this... <laughs> He, he winds down the window, my window, because it, they drive on the left-hand side. He says, oh, talks in Spanish to the cab coordinator. And who starts walking to the car? <laughs> it's Martin. So <laughs> so I had I had like um, a, a tissue or a towel or something because it was sweating. Obviously, we'd like all sneaking through the back. So I was just trying to dab my face and like trying to hide, trying to hide. 
And then um, I just remember in the back, Freddie Boomer was like literally sit, sat in the footwell, even though there's three of them in the back. Shane Lowry's thinking, oh, my Villa career's done. And and Sidney's the same, you know. But I'm right in the front. I couldn't really hide. So I just tried to play it off like I hadn't seen him. I'm not seeing him. And he, he must have seen me. He must have seen me. Like, there's no way he didn't see me. But the cabbie's eventually driven off and, and we've gone through the night and we're like, how do you get away with that, lads? They're thinking, no, oh, he's going to know tomorrow. And luckily, he didn't say anything. And then obviously, I, I just think personally, because we won and then we won again, obviously, to win the final. I don't think he ever brought it up. But I think it would have been a great thing to batter us with if we'd lost. I think he pocketed it. But fortunately for us, it didn't come back up. But it was just the, the, I just remember seeing Freddie Boomer's face, and he was just he was he was just shouting at the cab driver, "Why are you driving here?" Like swearing at him. It was like, but it was just fun, funny now. But at the time, it's like my heart had sunk right down to yeah, right down to my stomach. But yeah, it was again even more so more reason why it was such a, a good trip. First day I went to the training ground, Jim Paul, who's kit man, bless his heart, God bless him. I loved I loved Jim to bits, mate. I loved him to bits. Um, he come up and he said, "I'll oh, come down." He said, "I've got, I've got all your gear." So I went down his office and he gave me like three black bin liners full of kit, just absolutely rammed full of, of shirts and sweaters and training shoes and boots and God knows what else. And then he said, "Do you want a yogurt?" And he pointed across to me. There's, there was like about 30, 30 trays of of, um, of of these Muller yogurts. You know, he said, "Do you want, do you want any of these?" He said, "Take a few home." You know, so. Within within a couple of weeks, my I, I actually bought another fridge from my garage because <laughs> I was just taking home, and we had a queue at our front door. You know, my, my son was coming over, my daughter was coming, and next door neighbours all coming to pick up. I was taking orders. You know, they're saying, "Oh, we've had enough of that banana yogurt. Can you, can't you bring us some of the the chocolate ones?" You know, so. <laughs> we had mullet yogurts everywhere it's like Del Boys you know like Del Boys flat uh, you, you lift up a cushion on the sofa there was like half a dozen mullet yogurts can you remember when when Martin and, and Ria Coca had that little spat at the training ground what what, what happened there Stan <laughs> yeah I, I did remember we were, we, were, we were doing 11 aside we were doing a tactical session we was always playing so Martin was giving different messages and I remember that they were in the middle and I think Nigel misplaced the pass. I think they started verbally to talk against each other and saying things. And all of a sudden, in, in a space of a second, they just squared each other. Uh, Nigel's preparing for, for a fight. Uh, Gaffer's uh, fists were up here. Everybody was laughing. I, I just couldn't stop laughing. I, I just, you could hear Nigel just jumping around and Gaffer just getting his his. his position ready to to strike and it was really funny it was uh it was something that we see all the time uh obviously they both were very uh strong characters they both want uh, had uh, a strong opinion uh we didn't make we made them more as a as a fun i think Nigel got uh punished quite uh for a few games i think uh but in general we we took as um as a like a, a joke and we just tried to make sure that everything was okay after we still joke with Nudge uh, since the day since today uh he don't like it but that's that's not a problem that's his problem uh let him deal with it and um we loved it we loved it and uh we'll never forget it when, when i retired my missus said to me uh you've been asked to do a modeling job and i'm thinking airfix uh, okay fine and then she said i said is it balaclavas and she said, no, no, no. She said, we, we've got a, 
um, a job with Land Rover. They're doing a, a Born Free campaign and, and you've just got to do, go there and pretend they're you know, rare and whatever and that's it. Anyway, so when we got there, they've gone, right, makeup. I'm looking at my missus going, you what? Makeup. They only they only painted us as lions, right? So I'm not, I'm now I'm now not happy. I, I thought I was a, I thought it was an easy gig, earn a couple of quid, hide behind the good looking ones, and I can sort of walk away, and get me money. So the photographers there, and we're all my two little ones at the time painted. They're they're loving it. They're getting it. So he's going after three, right? And I'm going. Brr. And my missus, you could just say that you could show a bit more enthusiasm. I went, you're kidding me, aren't you? So anyway, got that done. I can hear the sniggers in the background from what I'm doing. I've got in my car. I'm fuming now because I was going on to another gig. So I, I didn't even wash the, the, the lion stuff off my face. So I'm, I'm piling down the motorway and I've gone through two speed cameras because I'm, I'm just oblivious to what's going on. About a month, two months later, I've got a speed thing coming through. I'm thinking, I can't remember when that would be. So I said, I said, I said look, because also I, I was on about nine points. I thought, oh, I'm going to get done here. So... I said to her, I says, were you, was, were, you, were you driving my car that day? She says, I don't know. I said, look, I, I don't want to say you were and you weren't. I said, we'll, we'll go and ask for the official photographs. <laughs> but two weeks later, photos come on. Big head of a lion. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, had, I had to go to court because it took me above the allotted time. I can, I can hear I just the, the giggles from the people looking at the photos about... <laughs> <laughs> me dressed as a lion, painted as a lion. I think they felt so so sorry for me, thinking, oh, life must have been so tough for this lad. If, if he was a professional footballer, he's got to do this for a living now. We'll just let him off. <laughs> and they gave me a suspended... I got a suspended man. Oh, dear. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.